episode of On the Sidelines. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Betsy's here. We love Betsy Ross. Thank we you. love when Betsy Hi, joins you. us. I love being here. Uh, we love having you in here. Uh, Linz, I'm just going to pass it off to you. Start things off for us. Betsy, when you walked in the door, I said, uh, it's just been a season in Cincinnati. It's actually been a couple seasons. But when you look at right now, and I'm going to go with what was recent, it's the Cincinnati Bengals dropping to 0-9 <laughs> on the season. What can you even say right now? You can't. I mean, there is nothing. And I think about that poor guy on the roof in Myland, you know, (laughs) he's still sitting there on the roof. He may be there for a while. I think that it's just, and, and if you read Paul Doherty's column, he talks about, you know, the lost decade and we're, we're getting to that point, the lost decade of the nineties about just no matter who's the coach, no matter who's the quarterback, it is the same old. And I think that I, I I have heard so many people just say, well, we know it wasn't Marvin's fault. You know, well, yes, this is the hard way to learn it, but we couldn't wait to get rid of Marvin. We couldn't wait to get rid of Dusty because all Dusty did was take the Reds to the playoffs, but then couldn't get any farther. So we got all hashtag fire Dusty. Well, you see where we are on that, too, you know. So <laughs> I just think that it's it's something that obviously fans get frustrated with. But can you imagine being a player, especially players from elite programs who have lost more games this year than they probably had their entire collegiate career? Think about that. Yeah. And it's time to look at next year, and I think that's one reason why Ryan Finley is there you got to see what you got. If he's your backup quarterback, let's see what he can do. If he's not the answer, then you have to look ahead. You have to look for the draft. I think that we all know that the Bengals depend on that draft because it's not necessarily something that they're going to build through trades. Maybe they're not going to build it through free agency. They depend on that draft to build their roster. So you got to see what you got. And this coming year should be a really, really, really good year for quarterbacks coming out of college. So if there's a bright spot in that, maybe that's it. There are a lot of great college quarterbacks coming out this year. Yeah, and you mentioned that with the free agency and just even the draft. And and Joe Burrow's name is is getting out there after that (laughs) LSU-Bama game. It'll be interesting because the Bengals, if the draft were today, they would actually pick number one. And Mm -hmm. he'd be right there, and it would be intriguing because you can walk away from Andy Dalton after this year. And, you know, look, whatever happens with Andy Dalton in the future, I I root for him just like former uh, Cincinnati Bengal Andrew Whitworth. Wherever Mm -hmm. they go, they did good things here. I know there's no playoff wins to show. And you mentioned Marvin Lewis, I think, with Zach Taylor, and you make that move. That's a guy coming in to decisions that, you know, he didn't make this roster. Right. He's taking in these guys, almost like a college coach taking over a recruit class or a class that he didn't have before. So it's going to take some learning experience. And unfortunately, Zach Taylor is dealing with that right now. But as a head coach first year, you know, what what do you think is going through his mind right now? I, I don't know because he's he's so positive and he's so... I don't want to say enthusiastic. That may be a little bit more than than what he really is. But, you know, he's staying the course and he's saying, you know, when, you know, someday we're going to look back at this and laugh. Well, I hope he's right. But it's so funny because, like, you you look at Jared Goff now over at uh, the Rams. He's regressing. And Zach Taylor was his coach over at the Rams. And he was doing really well when Zach Taylor was there. And he's not doing that well this year. 
he's regressed from their Super Bowl run last year. I think that you have to look at, okay, I'm coming in as a head coach. I have an idea of the kind of offense I want to run. Okay, this is what I want to run. I don't maybe have the personnel to run that offense. Now, you see this in college, especially college basketball all the time. If the five guys that you have on the floor, or women, if they don't fit your offense, good head coaches will say, I got to change my offense. And so they will change the offense and make it better. I think that if you walk in there and you've got a mindset of this is how I want to run this offense and you don't have the personnel, it's never going to work unless you change your mindset. And I think that the thing that we have to watch as fans, um, I think there's there's two things. First, A.J. Green, the saga of, and we can talk about that all day if you want to, but that's one thing to watch. But the second thing to watch is how the veterans respond to all this going on. Because I think it's very well known, it's pretty well known that not everybody in the locker room was thrilled about having Andy benched and having a new quarterback, especially the veterans who had been with him for all this time. So I think you have to watch to see whether the veterans stay with the program or if they check out. I mean, all I can think of is Dave Shula standing on the sidelines and Gary Reasons in the middle of the game, like Dave Shula's got a cap on or a visor on, and, and, and Gary Reasons comes over and kind of like wiggles his cap back and forth, you know, like he was like, like playing with a six-year-old and you'd like kind of wiggle the, the bill of their cap. Unbelievable disrespect to your head coach for doing that. He wasn't disciplined. You know, I'm sure Dave Shula's standing there going, what just happened, you know? But I keep thinking about that. What kind of respect do they have, not just for themselves and for the game, but what kind of respect will they have for the coach? Watch the veterans and watch their body language. Are they going to check out? Are they going to go over to, to Finley when he does well and say, hey, great job? Will they walk over to Ryan Finley when he doesn't do a good job and say, hey, we'll get him next time? If they start checking out, that's it. That's it. He's, I think Zach Taylor has to keep that squad together. Got to have him believe because if those veterans check out, you've lost that season. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because after the game when they fell to 0-9 on the season, I was a little surprised with the locker room. Um, not to say it was super upbeat. Of course, they're disappointed. I know Tyler Boyd even told me it's disgusting to go 0-9 this season. and He takes it personally, mm-hmm. and I know that Carlos Dunlap is the same way. But when I lo- when I was talking to the guys after the game and just Lamar Jackson is unreal, he's an MVP kind of guy, they pretty much all told us, like, look, we haven't quit. We haven't quit. Um, I know that there are some things that go wrong, and then when it rains, it pours, and that's what it <laughs> felt like in some of these really blowout losses. But right. there have been games – or they've been close and they should have won the game. And you look at week one against Seattle and it gave the team some hope, almost like a moral victory. But you mentioned how the veterans react. And I, I actually want to tie it into A.J. Green because I find that interesting right now. A.J. Green has been one of those guys from day one. As soon as they said Zach Taylor was going to be the coach, he was pumped about it. He couldn't wait. We haven't seen A.J. Green in the Zach Taylor offense. He's an offensive mind. We know that great with quarterbacks. And I think he will be whoever that next quarterback will mm-hmm. be for this team. We'll find out as the, as the year goes on in 2020. But with A.J. Green... It's so hard right now because he's speaking up. He is a vet. They listen to him. Um, we've seen that in the past when Ken Zampezi was fired out of the offensive coordinator. That was because A.J. Right. Green spoke up the night before, and all of a sudden Ken Zampezi was gone. I don't blame him. A.J. Green should be your guy. 
But when a guy like him is speaking up and and just kind of saying how he's feeling, you know, he's not he's not quitting, he's not milking his injury. The team hasn't seen him yet in 2019, besides that 30 seconds at Welcome Stadium. What do you do with the contract? Ah, I'm I'm glad I don't have to decide. I really am. AJ Green is is an amazing talent. He really is. And if you remember when he got hurt in what was supposed to be a walkthrough and all of a sudden it became a scrimmage and all of a sudden A.J. Green is hurt, I, I, when you saw him come off that field and he took his helmet off and slammed it because he knew he just lost himself a whole lot of money with that injury. And he has a history, as we all know, of injuries. And I... He says if he's franchised, he'll report. He won't hold out, which, you know, I hope he stays in that mindset. But I think that the thing is, is that, and, and someone, Rich Gannon, said it during the broadcast, calling out A.J. Green a little bit and saying, well, A.J. Green says he's not going to play because he's 100%. And Rich Gannon says nobody is 100%. When you get halfway through the season, nobody is 100%. Everybody is aches and pains and twists and turns and pulled muscles, and this and that and the other. And that's very true. But A.J. Green knows that last year he came back after injury, re-injured, had to have surgery. I don't blame him for being very, 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 very cautious. The season, whether or not he's on the field or not, the season isn't going to turn around just because he walks onto that field. He has to be very cautious. Having said all that, because he's got a contract to think of, you know, what he wants to do next next step. Having said all that, yeah, I would like him to to be a little more engaged. I would like him to, you know, talk a little bit more about I want to get back as soon as I can instead of, you know, I got to think of me first. Don't say that. That was was a little out of character for him. I felt like this past week when he said that, I was like, okay, that's a little strange because I do, I do feel like a guy, and you've been around AJ Green too. I feel like he is a guy that if he can play, he can play. But at the same time, this is such a big contract for him. I know it is. And yet, you know, maybe if you think that, just don't say it. Don't say it. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. (laughs) But I can't blame him because. He came back last year, immediately got hurt. Boom, he was done for the rest of the season. So I, I cannot blame him because he knows that, you know, his next contract eh, could be the last one. You know, maybe it's an incentive laden. He says he wants to stay in Cincinnati. He says if he's franchised, he'll, he'll report. I hope that is true. You know, it's kind of like a, like a, a Tyler Eifert situation. Yeah. You incentivize him. You give him a short contract, but it's incentivized with if you stay healthy, you'll still get paid. Maybe it's that kind of a deal. But the thing, I, what I really like about A.J. Green, though, is he wants to be in Cincinnati. You look around the NFL, some of the best players are like, get me out of here. I mean, mm-hmm. Mika Fitzpatrick, who wanted out of Miami because he understood what was kind of happening this year. He goes to the Steelers, and he's a game changer. And A.J. Green's like, I want to play in Cincinnati. Right. And everyone's like, I don't know. It's just player speak. He's just saying that. No, the guy, he money really doesn't factor in huge with him as far as like give me all the dollar bills you can possibly give me because he's not a Julio Jones mm-hmm. he's just not because right. of because of what he's had to deal with but he's up there in a top five receiver right now and he deserves that paycheck and I think this team will pay him at the same time they got to be smart about it too because you mentioned right. Tyler Eifert and, and knocking on wood as we speak right now as they go into <laughs> week 11 he is healthy right now he's on a limited basis but right. Tyler Eifert's had some key catches out there 
but we haven't seen Tyler Eifert really no. with this offense. No, not at all. But I, I think that that's a very, very good point that, you know, you have to see what these players can do. And I think the Bengals, you can talk all, all you want to about the Bengals and their contracts. They pay their specialized players. They pay the marquee players. And, and you know, you, you can't deny that. They've given their quarterbacks. They've given their receivers. They've given their higher-profile higher players. They've paid them. So, you know, yes, they let Witt walk and some of the other guys, but the, the, the skilled players, they have paid them. So, I think if they could admit to this day, if they could just come out and say it, they would say, like, we mess up on Andrew Whitworth. I, I truly, yeah. truly believe that. No, Marvin Lewis is no longer here. But right before he left, you know, there were some things that he, that he felt how that all went down, and I do. I feel like that's the one they messed up on. Look, mm-hmm. Kevin Zeitler, they weren't going to pay him that money. Right. They just don't, they don't feel that way on the offensive line. But I right. think that uh, – that Andrew Whitworth situation ended up being one of the worst mistakes that they have made. Oh, and and not just on the field, but off the field. Oh, He's 100%. such a stand-up guy. He's a great guy. Always, you know, the 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 voice of reason, if you will, in the locker room. I mean, he would tell it like it is. He's always the guy that you could go interview. And and you you need that. You need that in any clubhouse, whether it's the Reds or the Bengals or anybody. You need that 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 wise sage calming person that can put some sense together and all this and and losing that kind of force in the clubhouse you know the 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 rookies don't have anybody to to look up to like that who can really you know kind of give them give them a little guidance can give them a, a a little bit of sense of this is how you are a professional this is what you should do this is what you should say almost like a papa bear kind of thing mm-hmm. cuz you know even I've known Melissa Whitworth for years mm-hmm. and I used to uh, talk to her all the time and just seeing how she was with the wives and the new, I mean, it's on the field and off the field, seeing her right. with wives and girlfriends and taking them under her wing and Hey, this is NFL life. This is what it's like in Cincinnati. So they they really, I couldn't say enough good things about mm-hmm. the Whitworths. I, I definitely agree. We miss them for yeah. sure. You know, one of the things that I get a lot of when the season is going where it is and they're getting the number one draft pick as of today, Oh, and nine on the season, they're winless off to one of their worst starts since 1993 which is pretty telling right now. But one of the things I get from fans is like, okay, I don't want to win another game. The players are just tanking. I think you can agree with me. Everybody in this room can agree with me. No player wants to tank. It is their job. That's like you going to work on your 9 to 5, your 8 to 5, and saying, I'm going to do a terrible job because our department needs to pay us more money. Or I need to, you know, you're going to lose your job. There's no player (laughs) with the right mindset that ever thinks in their head. I don't care who is there. It's a Chase Young, a Joe Burrow. Tua, I, I, none of those players, you're not tanking. That's not how your mind I don't want works. them to. I'm like, I don't want to blow out the season just no, so we can get the no. best draft pick. Because, like, you know, I want I want my Bengals to win. I want them to win. I don't care what uh, at what cost, like you were saying. It's their job. It's their livelihood. Everybody's replaceable, you know. And let's think it on the player side. They're really auditioning for other yes. jobs. Oh, yeah. With other teams. So you don't want to do that, whether they stay with the Bengals or whether they go somewhere else. They're on auditions right now so they have an incentive to play the best that they can they really do and a lot of them believe that i'm just going in there week by week every wednesday and thursday media availability or even practice all of those guys have the mindset of i want to perform because some of them they were signed in the offseason you look at a guy like cj uzama uh, Gio bernard was extended when it comes to tyler Eifert, tyler Eifert is playing for his biggest contract yet mm-hmm. biggest contract yet i mean mm-hmm. that guy was playing on one year's one year's one year's Gets injured last year in Atlanta, and that was devastating. This year, knock on wood, and we actually had his fiance on with us a couple weeks ago, and she said it. She's like, we treat each week as a win when mm-hmm. Tyler's healthy because he is fighting for that next contract, and, and this is the biggest one yet. And a guy 
who, if you're going to pull any positive right now, he's healthy right now on the court, right. and and he's going to be playing for that. But you you've covered this team, or you've been around this team for a while, and and I, I grew up with it, and and I've covered for the past five to six years. Can you remember a season like this one? <laughs> I do remember the Achilles Smith days. We had we had a little bit of hope there, uh, but it's. It's just so draining, and I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't know, but your football team, your baseball team, your soccer team, when you're winning, the sky is bluer, the birds are chirping, the sun is shining, everything is good. The Monday after you beat the Steelers, it is just a great feeling. Christmas. It is. (laughs) It is. You know, there is nothing that brings this city together more than that. And, you know, throw out the, the sports angle. But just, you know, we're all smiling at each other and we're all saying good morning and we all feel good. And, you know, and heaven knows we need more of that right now in our society. And. Sports is just such a binding a, a feeling to a community. There's a reason why they're the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cincinnati Reds, the University of Cincinnati. You represent this community, FC Cincinnati. And when that team is winning, you, as a fan, reflect off of that and you feel better about everything and it brings this community together i mean you know when the Bengals were good not that long ago (laughs) it was a busy (laughs) but when the Bengals were good and it was so much fun to go to a game and you Mm. would just have fun you know and now the the 40,000 40,000 i'm doing my air quotes around 40,000 who show up at the games now i mean you sit there for a couple of quarters, you go, oh, here we go. And it was mm-hmm. so funny going to um, the London game. Yeah. And that's just such a different experience because it's not necessarily Bengals fans and Rams fans or whoever is playing there. Like anybody, like grabs a jersey, you know, whatever. I saw Ronnie Lott jerseys. I saw, you know, it, random jerseys of every team in the NFL, I think. Uh, Indianapolis Colts jerseys, they're not necessarily fans of those two teams. They're just fans of football or they like American football and this is their opportunity to actually see it. And so it's it's so different because like people actually like sit there and watch the game. It's not necessarily, you know, like mad cheering or anything like that. And, you know, like like somebody will will down a punt at the 15-yard line, and they will cheer madly because they think, oh, he caught the ball. Isn't that great? He caught the ball. And we're going, well, it, it, yeah, it is. But, but, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily them against us or anything, but you're just watching football. And it's kind of refreshing that way. You know, there were 80,000 people, and you're just sitting there, and you're watching football. And there was a, a father-son. Uh, I don't know if they were expatriates or, or, you know, Americans just, you know, living in that area. And they came and were watching the game and they were Bengals fans. And the dad is just losing his mind. Dad's going, what is it with this offensive line? I can't believe they can't protect, you know, and, and the rest of us are going, oh, yeah, you'll, you know, you'll get used to it. You yeah. know, after <laughs> watching for a while. But it was kind of refreshing just to watch the game 
and and see how everybody else kind of reacted to it. It was kind of fun that way. You mentioned not long ago this team was good, and you know it's crazy. It actually popped up on Facebook memories, and not a good memory. And now it's not a good memory. It was good memory then, <laughs> but uh, four years ago this team started eight zero on the season, yeah. and it was a high. It was they're going to the Super Bowl. Andy Dalton was having an MVP year. He had his best offensive line. Kevin Zeller, Andrew Whitworth mm-hmm. was, was here, and it was just a whole new level in the city, and everyone felt that. And unfortunately. He made a tackle after an interception and then ruined his season. Unfortunately, when you look back at that, and, and even Carson Palmer, uh, back in 2005, everyone thought that team was going to be a Super Bowl team. And I remember telling my mom, because I went to that game, telling her, I don't want to go to school tomorrow when Carson went down. I was like, I can't go to school tomorrow. They just lost. Like, it was heartbreaking because you've had those moments from the heartbreaking Pittsburgh Steelers wild card game. There's been two of them um, <laughs> to look back on. And it's just like, why us? Why does this keep happening? And I just, it, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, even when you cover it, I know, like, we're not supposed to have a rooting interest. Look, I feel like everybody who work in, works in sports had a team growing up. There's a reason mm-hmm. you wanted to work in sports. So I will never, you know, say that you can or you can't. But I think it's just you have these moments and you're like, why does this keep happening to this organization? Well, let's go back to Kenyon Martin, Martin, if yeah. you want to talk about, yeah. you know, the, the Cincinnati curse. Uh, you know, it, it, to, to that point, I always say, I'm a fan, but I'm not your cheerleader. Yeah. And there are some coaches and some players that lose their minds over, well, why aren't you supporting us? Why aren't you, you know, why do you report this? Let's go back to Tremaine Mack. And Channel 5 had video of him driving when he shouldn't have been driving and so got into deep trouble. Well, like Channel 5, they wouldn't let George into the locker room. You know, there was all kinds of backlash. Listen, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Bengals. I'm a fan of the Reds. I'm a fan of any team that's here in town. Mm -hmm. But I'm not your cheerleader. And don't expect me to be. And I think that that's something that some of the players don't understand. They think, well, you know, if you're – if you're here in Cincinnati and you're covering our team, you should you should only write good stuff and you should do it. That's not our job. Mm-hmm. It doesn't preclude the huh. fact that I can be a fan. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective, though. I'm I'm I can be a fan. I'm not your cheerleader, right? But that, that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, I you know I want the Reds and the Bengals and UC and Xavier and FC and I want all of these teams here in a to perfect win. world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know it was. You talk about memories of sports going on here when Brian Kelly was back a couple of weeks ago to celebrate the Big East Championship, and that was the year they went to the Orange Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And I, rem- <laughs> I remember we had, like we were in the playoffs. You know, the Reds were good. Uh, the Bengals were good. And I remember I was at a bar. Shock. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, I was at the ESPN Zone in Las Vegas. And um, a bunch of us were doing the Las Vegas half marathon the next day, but we're there watching the Big East game. And it was so funny, like, that was a noon game, Eastern time. So it was a noon game. We're sitting there, we're watching it. And, of course, Pittsburgh lost. We all went berserk. Then, like, the people right behind us were the SEC fans, and they were there to watch the SEC championship. So, like, we left. The next shift came up. And then, like, the third championship, I think, was, like, the Big 12 championship. So, like, it was, like, in shifts. Like, people would leave the bar. Next fans would come up. But you think about that. We had we were in a BCS, we meaning the city. We had a BCS team. We had 
the Bengals in the playoffs. We had the Reds in the playoffs. Those were like fun times, and we didn't realize how lucky we had it back then. We thought, oh, this will happen every year. Yeah, no, not really. But it was it was just, again, going back to, you know, what, what, what you feel in the community. You just feel up. You feel like, wow, you know, this. you feel very positive. You feel really very good about your community when you win and that, and you know, you, you may think that that's kind of shallow, but it's really not because they do represent us as a community. And so when they win, it makes us all feel good. No. And I definitely feel that way too. And, and as you mentioned, you're not a cheerleader, but you, you can be a fan. And, and I feel like the stories are better. The players are more willing to do it and it just makes our job fun and a bit easier too. And I, <laughs> I actually want to end it on this. And we had talked about this before we started recording the podcast, but um, one of our friends, a guy who's worked in this business for a long time, and Dave Ashbrock, he told me one time after one of our FC Cincinnati losses, because look, a soccer season, it'll start in January and, and it ends in October. And if you're in the playoffs in November. Um, and I remember telling him one time, like after one of our losses, it might have been lost 15 or, or 20. And I was like, man, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to be hard on myself. I felt like, you know, I didn't like my questions. And it's just, I don't know what to say anymore. And I want it to be different. I want it to be good. And I want to be creative. And he looked, legit told me after the game, he's like, you are going to be so challenged this year that you're going to look back on this season and be like, I've learned so much about myself, how am I, how I am as a broadcaster. And he's like, it's going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. I, I think so. I mean, David Ashbrock and I have worked together on, on countless broadcasts, on countless games, uh, and he's just one of the best that are at, that's out there. I think that's very true because you're right. You think, well, what else can I ask these guys? You know, it's the old sideline question. Mm-hmm. Well, how'd the first half go? What do you it. want to do in the second <laughs> half? Good luck, coach. The same, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's the same question. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you ask? You want to be respectful. Yeah. You want to be respectful for the team. You want to be respectful to the players and to the coach. Because you know, as you mentioned, they're out there. They want to win. And so it, it's, it's hard to come up with something else to say. And I think that it's upon us as reporters to do a little more homework, to pay a little more attention, to ask better questions. It doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily set well with the players or the coach. But I think, I think David's right that, that it's upon us to do a little more homework and, and come up with a, a more insightful question than, well, what happened? Well, we lost. Okay. How you feeling? I How hate you that feeling? question. How you feeling, How you feeling Coach? Uh, yeah. So it's and it's hard. I mean, yeah. he's right. Um, but I I think that I think that that is wonderful advice because you know it's it's not always going to be like this. No. And uh, Stephen A. Smith, you know, basically, of course, Stephen A. Smith can say anything he wants, and sometimes he does. And he was yapping about you know poor Cincinnati boy. I feel sorry for Cincinnati. Man, the Reds are bad. The Bengals are bad. You know, well, you got Ohio State. Well, Ohio State's up the road. And so, you know, I feel sorry for, for you all, Cincinnati. And then one of the University of Cincinnati accounts tweeted, hey, don't forget about us. Yeah. You know, because, you know, UC football is doing just fine. Thank you very much. You know, if they win out, they get to go to the Cotton Bowl. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It will not always be this way. Mm-hmm. But I think... I think um, to David's part, we all learn something, and it's really up to us to really think about 
you know, more insightful ways to get that information out because, you know, they they don't feel any better than we do, you yeah. know, the way that the team's going. So, oh, I love that. I love that. I, <laughs> I love do. That, that you just like made me feel better, Betsy. <laughs> this is like a good therapy, like a Bengals therapy it'll, session. It'll, it'll be better. It'll be better. Maybe you should rename this Bengals therapy. <laughs> yeah, know, right? yeah. Let's just do like a couple times a month Bengals therapy with Betsy. Oh, really? Oh, thank you no. so much, Betsy Ross, uh, for coming on the sidelines with Lindsay and I. Please rate, review us on iTunes and Spotify. This episode is sponsored in part by U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. There are plenty of shopping cards out there. The last thing I need is more store-branded cards, and that got me thinking. What if I could earn more, like 6% cash back, but with one card at all of my favorite stores? Well, the folks at U.S. Bank are on it. Check out the U.S. Bank Shopper Cash Rewards Visa Signature Card. It can earn you up to 6% cash back. 6%, not bad. Check out usbank.com shopper to learn more. It's easy. You just grab your shopping list and shop two of your favorite retailers for up to 6% cash back. And you can change your two selections every quarter. I'm talking 24 different big-name retailers like Amazon, Walmart, Target. That would be good enough, but this card can also earn you up to $250 cash back after you spend $2,000 within the first 120 days of opening your account. And who doesn't do that at Amazon, Walmart, or Target, for God's sake? You can also earn up to 3% cash back from your choice of one everyday category like gas and EV charging stations, bills and utilities, or wholesale clubs. Plus, you'll earn 1.5% cash back on all other eligible purchases you deserve premium awards, and the U.S. Bank Shopper Cash Rewards card is here for you. Learn more at usbank.com shopper and start earning. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply.